0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching at this time. It might be that you're watching today for the very first time and we want to thank you for tuning in. Today on our telecast, we're going to discuss this subject, facts you need to face. Sometimes we have a tendency to shun certain things that we confront in life, but we want to talk about some facts that we just need to come face-to-face with. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible Correspondence Course. I'd like to emphasize this course is free. Someone called recently and said, Why are you call asking for people to give money for what you offer on your program? Jesus wouldn't do that. And then the person answering the phone said, Sir, we don't charge for anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible. He said, Oh, I misunderstood. No, this course is absolutely free. We want you to have it today in order that you might know more about the Bible course, that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just
0: a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non denominational, it's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. Post Office Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580. Or call toll free 1 877 711
1: 5214. God has fashioned nearly everything for the sinner's benefit. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, and in verse number 9, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There are lots of things that I learned from that passage. But one of the basic things I learned is this, God desires my salvation. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2 and 4 that God would have all men to be saved. It is not the will, it is not the decree, it is not the desire of God that anyone would be lost. God wants mankind to be saved. Now, now there are some things that a sinner ought to know uh, about those efforts on the part of God. That there are some things that we need to know about God's plan for mankind. And, And one of the things that we need to know is that God's plan for saving man involves certain responsibilities on the part of man. For example, on the day of Pentecost when Peter had preached the first recorded gospel sermon, the people asked, what shall we do? And he gave them the answer to repent and to be baptized for the remission of their sins. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly receive the Word were baptized. So one of the responsibilities that the sinner has with regard to God's plan for man's redemption is that man must receive the Word. Once he has received the Word and obeyed the Word of the Lord and become a New Testament Christian, there are still certain responsibilities. In Acts the second chapter in verse 42, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so after these people gladly received the word, thus obeying the gospel of Christ, they continued steadfastly. So you see, there are certain responsibilities that we have once we obey the gospel. And it ought to involve conviction on our part. Uh, Unless there is conviction, there can be no conversion. There, There are certain facts that we need to face. First of all, we need to face the fact that all people have sinned. That that involves every person. Romans 3, 23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Isaiah 53 and 6, the prophet said, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every man to his own way. So all have sinned. That's a difficult thing for some people to face. They they do not like to see themselves, envision themselves, think of themselves as sinners. But the the truth is, we live in a world of sin and sinners. 1 John 5 says that the whole world lies in wickedness. One version says, in the wicked one. So the whole world is filled with sin. And there aren't any exceptions. 1 John chapter 1 and 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The person who does not think that he or she is a sinner is self-deceived. As a matter of fact, they've been deceived by sin itself. It's a difficult thing for some people to say, I've sinned. It's hard for some people to say that that have done wrong. Here's a couple, and they, they have a dispute of, uh, between this husband and wife. And the wife wants to point her finger at the husband. The husband wants to point the finger at the wife. You, you see, it's very, very difficult to say, well, I, I was at fault. I've done wrong. I've sinned. You hear two people have an automobile accident. And they jump out of their automobiles. That's not a serious accident. Their cars now are damaged. But there's no human uh, uh, damage done. That is, nobody's injured in the accident. And so here here the man jumps out of his car and he starts pointing his finger at the other driver and says, It was your fault. It was your fault. And the other driver said, Oh, no, 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 it was your fault. And when the officer comes to investigate the accident, there they stand pointing fingers at each other. It may be that both of them were at fault. It may be that one of them was at fault. But it's a difficult thing to say, I was wrong. And I think some of the most difficult words to utter in the human language are these, I have sinned. But fact number one that we need to face is that we are sinners. Fact number two is that sin pays a wage. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a wage to sin, and it is spiritual death. Physical death is the separation of the spirit of man from the body. Spiritual death is the separation of man from God. In Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses seven and eight, we learn that there is a wage to sin. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh, flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sin pays a wage. Well, what is the wage of sin? Sin separates. It separates a man from his God, Isaiah 59 and 2. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, it it is sin that will hide the face of God from a man. That's how terrible sin is. Sin pays a wage. Sin also enslaves. Over in the book of Romans, in the 6th chapter of Romans and in verse 16, Paul is talking about sin. And listen to him. Do do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Sin enslaves. There are millions of people in our world today that have become slaves to sin. They may be slave to some habit. Sin has the tendency to do that. But sin also scars you. In Psalms 51 and verse 3, David declared, My sin is ever before me. David had sinned. Was he forgiven? Yes. But sin left its mark. It was difficult for him to forget he had sinned against God. Sin contaminates. In Psalms 51 and 10, David there again said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew that sin contaminated his soul. And David felt that he needed to be cleansed. Over in Psalm 51 and and in verse 7, he said, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Sin contaminates you. It pollutes you. Sometimes I see a commercial on television, and it may be a commercial of a a very, very attractive woman advertising some type of cosmetic or something like that that would make women more beautiful. And have you ever observed that they don't find ugly people to do that kind of advertising? I'm not sure God makes ugly people. We're just all made a little different, aren't we? But they try to find some of the most attractive people they can find. But have you you ever wondered how the heart of that individual may look in the sight of God? The heart may be contaminated, polluted, dark with sin. And and sin brings misery to our lives. You think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they were told with regard regard to the, the tree in the midst of the garden, to the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the woman was deceived by the serpent. He said, Thou shalt not surely die. And thousands of years of sin and suffering, sighing and dying and crying, attest to the fact that sin brings misery. And it will bring eternal misery. Why in the book of Revelation... In the 21st chapter of the of the Revelation. And in verse 8, there John said, But the fearful and the unbelieving and, and the abominable and the and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire in brimstone, which is the second death. Sin pays a wage. So we've got two facts we need to face. All of us are sinners, and sin pays a wage. But fact number three is this. Jesus Christ is God's answer to the high cost of sin. In John the third chapter and verse 16, the golden text of the New Testament, We read these words, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ was God's answer to man's predicament. That predicament is sin. Even when we did not deserve it, he gave Jesus to die for our sins. Romans 5, verse 8, verse 9. But by God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Being much more than justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We'll be saved from the wrath of God because of our sins. What will save us? nothing but the blood of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, in verse 21, there Paul said, He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus Christ died for us. And He died because of my sins. Not because of His. He had none. You see, Jesus stands between you and God. And it is is Jesus Christ that bridges the chasm that's been made between man and God, and that chasm is sin. And if you were to think about the beams of the cross, and Jesus stretched out on that cross, and one end of that cross, one side of that cross, one of those beams reaches toward man. And the other beam reaches toward God. And as it were, that cross is a bridge that crosses over that chasm of sin that separates a man from God. And I'll tell you the only thing that will ever save our souls is the cross of Jesus Christ and the benefits of that cross. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, But there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Friend, Jesus is the one who stands between you and God right now. And the New Testament is so understandable. And the New Testament teaches us so plainly and so clearly how to obey Jesus and how to be saved. Well, what does it teach us? Well, first of all, I've got to hear the message. I've got to hear the message of Jesus. In Romans, the 10th chapter, and verse 17, the Bible says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There's no way that you can detour around the Bible and ever be right with God. You've got to be taught. You've got to listen. You've got to hear. John 6.45, Jesus said, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone that uh, uh, heareth and cometh unto me, or heareth shall come unto me. And so we have to be taught the word of the living God. We have to believe what we've been taught. In John 8.24, Jesus said, Except ye believe, except that ye believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Do you believe Jesus Christ is God's son? Somebody said, well, I believe he's a good man. I didn't ask that. I'm not trying to be funny, but I didn't ask, is he a good man? Do you believe he's God's son? The divine son of the living God. And then not only do you believe in him, Are you willing to turn away from the sin that's in your life? Peter told the people in Acts the third chapter in verse 19, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. There'll be no blotting out of sin. There'll be no forgiveness of sin. There'll be no reconciliation with God without our turning away from the sin in our life. The world needs to repent People in America need to repent. People in Africa need to repent. People in India need to repent. People in the Philippines need to repent. People all over the world need to repent of their sins. Their sins are against God. And in order that you might be saved, you must confess that you believe Jesus Christ to be God's Son. In Acts eight 8th chapter, we read about a man who was taught about Jesus, Acts 8 and 25. A- and he asked the question, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And he was told, if you believe, you may. And he said, I believe it, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Are you willing to make that confession? The other day, as I was preaching here at the Somerdale Church, We're standing singing a song of invitation or a song of encouraging people to come forward and give their life to the Lord. A young woman steps out in the aisle. She comes down to the front. And she says, I want to be baptized today. And as she's turned and she faced the audience, I said to her, the only thing I have a right to ask you is this. Do you believe Jesus Christ is God's son? She said, I believe Jesus Christ is God's son. And then upon the confession of her faith in Jesus Christ as being God's son, she was taken And she was taken down into the baptistry at the Somerdale Church where I preach. And she was baptized into Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. If you want to be saved by Jesus Christ, believe in him. Repent of your sins. Confess that you believe in him, and be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3.27, for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. Baptize into his death, that is the benefits of his death, where he shed his blood, Romans 6.3, that you might arise to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6 in verse 4. Would you do that today? You see, that's a fact you need to face. Jesus Christ is God's answer to the high cost of sin. But but here's another fact we need to face, and it's not a very pleasant fact, but it's the truth. Hell is the abode of the lost. Hell is the most horrible concrete fact that's taught in the Bible. It's real. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse uh, 28, Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but hath no power over the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus said hell is real. And then in Matthew chapter twenty-five and verse forty-one, he said, "Depart from me, you cursed, in everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels." Hell's real. Modern preaching is has almost extinguished the fires of hell because there's not much preaching done about it anymore. But, but I may be simplistic in what I'm about to say, but I believe that if preachers across this land really believe that hell is real, and if they would tell men and women about the eternal abode of the lost, I believe that there would be a different standard of living among people today. If I didn't believe hell is real, folks, there wouldn't be any reason to have this program. And I wish I could believe that it's not real. I wish I could bring myself to believe that that, that people would believe on Jesus and they would repent of their sins and they would be baptized into Christ and they would live dedicated lives and they would serve God with all of their heart, with all of their soul and all of their mind and make hell unnecessary. But the fact is hell is real. The Bible says it is. Jesus says it is. And once in hell there's no rest. Once in hell there is no escape. Once in hell, there is no second chance. Yes, we need just to face the facts. But the final fact is this. You can be just a Christian. You see, the only thing that the Bible makes, that is reading the New Testament, that it makes is just Christians. It doesn't make Pharisee Christians and Sadducee Christians or or Hellenistic Christians. It just makes Christians. The disciples were called Christians, Acts eleven twenty six. 26. Almost you persuade me to be a Christian, Acts 26, 28. If any man suffer as a Christian, 1 Peter 4:16. And the greatest thing that you will ever be in this world, as you face eternity is a Christian. I'd urge you to become one today by obeying Jesus. You need to be a Christian because of your influence, because of your soul, because of the eternal reward. A number of years ago at the Rose Bowl, they had a player who ran the ball in the wrong direction. And most people today are running full speed in the wrong direction. Where are you headed? Heaven is the goal of the Christian. Now in the closing moments, I want to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And may I also encourage you to call for the Bible course today. I want to thank you for watching, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.